0: Welcome back to another episode of Love, Joy, and Languages, a podcast about loving languages and finding joy in learning them. I am Heidi, a fellow language lover, here to share my language learning thoughts and experiences in the hopes of reaching others who need connections in the language learning community. Before I get started with today's thoughts, I want to let you know that I'll be taking a couple weeks off from the show for the holidays, so I'll be back in the new year in 2023 on January 9th to continue on with Season 2. And speaking of this season, we're only six episodes from the season finale. I really can't believe I'm already working on wrapping up a second season, but you all have been so supportive and responsive to the things I share about my language learning journey and my deepest insights on normalizing all the struggles so many of us share. And your support is really helping me move right along to episode 40, the final one of season two. And just like last season, I want to do a celebration episode. In the season finale episode, I want to share your language learning wins. No matter how big or seemingly small, no matter how recent, I want you all to start thinking about and noticing the amazing progress you're making in your languages. Share those incredible wins with me in an Instagram or Twitter DM, and I will give you a big shout out in the season finale so we can all celebrate together. This was my absolute favorite episode last season, and I'm already excited to hear from you, and I'm so honored to be able to share in the joys of your language journeys. Okay, with administrative matters out of the way now, let's move on to today's episode. Today, I'm going to work through a bit of a personal journaling exercise prompted by my dear language learning and podcasting friend, Emily Richardson, of the Language Confidence Project. Emily was a guest on the show last season in episode 18, and if you haven't listened to that one yet, add it into your playlist because Emily's language journey story has something for everyone, and her perspectives on how we confront our language lives is so full of wisdom and compassion. Several weeks ago, Emily released episode 35 of her podcast, The Language Confidence Project, and the episode is titled, What Does Self-Belief Look Like For You?, which I'll link in the show notes. And in this episode, Emily asks some very pointed questions to help listeners envision a world, whether language learning or not, where we believe in ourselves. She prompts us to really think about how self-belief can shape our thoughts and reactions. Now, I'm really not a journaler, but the questions in this episode were so thought-provoking that I really needed to sit down and write out my own answers in order to thoroughly process the images and snippets of scenarios running through my head as I listened to the episode on my way to work one morning. I found it to be such a deep and motivating exercise that I asked Emily if I could use the questions in her show as a prompt for my own, and thankfully she obliged. So in this episode, I'm going to share the questions regarding self-belief that Emily asks in episode 35 of the Language Confidence Project, and I'm going to talk about the responses I had. If you want to pause me right now and go back to Emily's first episode, I highly encourage it. It's only eight minutes long, but it holds a very powerful punch. I'm sharing her work today because I really believe in the benefits of running through this thought exercise, but I don't want my responses to influence yours. If you're sticking with me, though, you can always grab a pen and paper or open up the notes on your phone to jot down your immediate thoughts when I share the questions she asks. Or with every question, just hit the pause button and take a minute to visualize life for yourself where self-belief exists. This can really be a positive meditative experience. It definitely was for me. Okay, let's get started. When it comes to self-belief, the first question Emily asks us is, what does self-belief look like for you? When I think of self-belief, I envision a spectrum. On one end is complete disbelief. On the opposite end is complete self-belief. And in the middle is a large range that's a mixture of doubt and confidence. The closer we are to disbelief on the spectrum, the more we doubt ourselves and the lower our confidence. And as we move towards self-belief, our doubts diminish and our confidence becomes stronger. So for me, I most often find myself somewhere in the middle of this spectrum, but closer to which end depends on the task, my related skill or knowledge, my mood and energy level, others' expectations, my own expectations and objectives, and so on. When I do have full self-belief and I stand completely at that end of the spectrum, it looks like confidently taking on something without even questioning if I can or not, just doing the thing. And that's a great place to be. But it's also absolutely critical to remember that there's nothing wrong with being at other places on the spectrum as well. It isn't my goal to fully believe in myself without question, without doubt, all the time. That's not a reasonable expectation, and I would constantly be disappointed in myself if I thought that's where I should be. But somewhere on that end of the spectrum is good and healthy for me. Having some doubts is okay. It's reasonable. It's normal. And that's really the place I'm thinking of when I talk about self-belief for me. It's that range on the spectrum where I have confidence that I can do something, I'm capable of doing it, learning a language, speaking that language, reading a book in my language, passing a language exam, or whatever, even if I still have some questions or doubts about my abilities. And really, the longer I work on my languages, the less doubt I have about my ability to do it. The longer I learn languages, doubt usually shows up only with respect to how I'm going to learn. Doubts about having the time to commit to a language or resource or doubts about what resources would best suit me for a particular language. If I look at beginner me learning my first foreign language in my 30s, I had massive doubts about everything from my ability to my commitment to the resources. But I had just enough belief in myself that I didn't give up. And as time went on and I saw myself actually doing it, and then I added another language and learned bits and pieces of others, I gradually moved away from the doubt side of the spectrum and became more confident, mostly only doubting the outside circumstances, not things that are intrinsic to me, like my aptitude. So that's what self belief is to me. And as I go through the remaining questions, I'm envisioning the self belief and confidence side of the spectrum, not necessarily the end point where there are no doubts at all, because this range is a very realistic place for me to be. So the next question Emily poses is this. If you had more self belief, how would you respond when things go a bit wrong? I love this question because it forces me to consider how I respond now and then give myself grace and a bit of faith that I can consider an alternative way to respond. For me, the answer to this is quite simple. If I had more self-belief when things go a bit wrong, I would respond to myself the same way I respond to my kids when things don't go quite right for them. My son is now at the age where everything is a really big deal to him. If his little hands can't fully push together two Lego pieces, he gets mad and yells, It just isn't working! If he doesn't consistently write his letters the way he wants, he gets upset and exclaims, I just can't do this! If my daughter beats him at any sort of race or competition they conjure up, he starts to completely melt down. And as the parent, I know his big and negative responses to these things not going quite right for him happen because he's learning. He's building the experience base necessary to learn what he's capable of. He's learning about big feelings, about vocalizing his frustrations and doubts and what to do with those. He's doing the work that will lead to self-belief or self-disbelief. So while I'm definitely not a perfect parent who always responds patiently and level-headed to his boisterous frustrations and tantrums, I do often respond calmly with something he will believe that will help bring him down a few notches. So when he yells at the Legos for not going together, I respond with something like, Those pieces are tiny, and they can be really difficult. Show me how you put these other pieces together. When he's frustrated with his writing, I might say something like, Some letters are really hard, and I like how you wrote this one here. I can see that you're learning a lot in school. And when he loses against his sister, I try to point out something non-competitive he did, like, That was a difficult race, and you're working so hard. I can see you've gotten faster. Most often, at a minimum, these statements will give him pause. He believes what I say just enough to stop the rolling negativity he's speaking and listen to the positive. I try validating his feelings and pointing out something about the challenge that he'll agree with, like that it's difficult, and then give him a positive truth about himself that he can believe and hopefully focus on. Now, to analyze my parenting a bit, why do I respond in this way when my son is angry or upset that something hasn't gone quite right for him? Quite simply, because I believe in him, and it's my job to share and demonstrate that belief to him to be a voice of belief in him, to teach him how to grow his own self-belief. It's my job to teach my kids how to critically think through a situation and find a path to working out the problems. And this job becomes much more difficult when my kids don't have some foundation of self-belief. I don't tell my kids that they're bad at something when things don't go quite right for them. I don't tell them they might as well give up or they probably aren't the kind of person who can do that anyway. So why do I do this to myself? When things don't go quite right, why do I leap toward the doubt side of the self-belief spectrum? Why do I allow myself to throw a mental tantrum and tell myself I'm not good at this language, I'll never really understand it or be able to speak it well, or I'll never succeed at this years-long endeavor? Well, I've never nurtured my own voice of self-belief. So when something doesn't go quite right, in my mind, it proves the doubt I already had. But if I respond from a place of self-belief, from that positive range on the spectrum, then when something doesn't go quite right, I would respond to myself the way I do to my kids. I would fittingly see myself as a little human, learning a new skill, working hard at it, and I would know from experience that even if something about the process is difficult, I'm taking positive action toward improving and my hard work will pay off. Under self-disbelief, something going wrong is seemingly a fatal error. But with self-belief, it's a glitch, a hurdle but something to overcome through validating our real feelings about it and then telling ourselves a believable truth about ourselves that works as the foundation for moving forward. Now the next question to address regarding self-belief is, how would you approach something completely new that you wanted to try? If I had more self-belief, I think I would approach new tasks without hesitation or trepidation. I would take them on without the unspoken belief that my success or failure at this task is a reflection of me and who I am. In fact, when tackling something completely new from a positive position on that self-belief spectrum, I wouldn't even approach tasks with a binary succeed or fail mentality. Functioning under self-belief, I would approach something I want to try with belief that I can try, I deserve to try, and I will gain something for trying. So success and failure are negligible. Self-belief, to me, means taking on something completely new without unreasonable expectations. Maybe sometimes with no expectations at all, except to try and perhaps have fun. With self-belief, I wouldn't be full of questions like, what does this say about me if I fail or make a mistake? What if I change my mind or quit? What if I decide this isn't for me? With self-belief, I know that these things, mistakes, quitting, and changing my mind, don't define me. They say nothing about who I am. Self-belief is truly liberation from the fear of those outside judgments of ourselves. So when trying something completely new, self-belief for me is jumping right in and enjoying the ride for however long makes sense for me, and valuing the experience, skills, and knowledge gained more than the end result. And something else I jotted down in my journaling experience here is that in language learning, Something completely new doesn't just mean learning a new language or starting a new course. And being a beginner doesn't just mean being a beginner of a language. So, for example, though my Italian is at an intermediate level, certain grammar concepts like pronominal verbs and the past tenses of subjunctive are new to me. Of course, I've come across them in reading and listening, but I am a beginner at studying and producing them. I'm not a beginner Italian speaker, but I am a beginner pronominal verb user. I am a beginner, past tense, subjunctive user. Using these is completely new to me. And it's the same with German. Things like the genitive case and structuring relative clauses are completely new to me, even though I'm not quite a beginner at the language anymore. Learning the Italian subjunctive and German relative clauses are completely new to me. And to be honest, I avoided facing these things for a long time because I didn't believe I could really understand them and use them properly. But at some point with each language, I have a period of self-belief and high confidence and I take advantage of this surge and dive into the new things without a binary mentality of succeed or fail. And instead, I just set out to learn something, even if it's just one related grammar role or a handful of examples using the new grammar. And I think treating these concepts within a language as truly new to me and considering myself a beginner at the new thing allows me to treat myself with a beginner's grace— going back to that beginner mentality of learn, practice, make mistakes, learn, practice, make mistakes. And not only does it help me face completely new things with the objective to just learn something, to make an increment of progress, but it also helps me when things don't go quite right. Because I know I'm in that beginner learning phase of this completely new thing, and I'm building the experience base necessary to see and believe what I'm capable of. Now the next question Emily asks about self-belief is, How would you feel when you encountered something really difficult? Going back to my original journaling on this, I realized that I'd written about how I would respond when I encountered something really difficult, not how I would feel. So I'm going to answer both of those questions here. First, how would I respond when I encountered something really difficult? And the very first thing that comes to mind here is as a musician. When I encounter something difficult working under self-belief, I would approach it like a musician. I played French horn for many years, and when I came across a difficult piece or challenging section in a work of music, I would stop and focus on just that part. I would take it slow and break it up into even smaller sections, one note at a time, slowly stringing them together until my fingers and mouth developed the muscle memory to work faster and more proficiently. As a musician, there was never a question of if I could do it or not, of if I would fail or succeed. It was always just a matter of breaking down the difficult parts into smaller pieces and mastering it bit by bit. When speaking Italian, I can be speaking fluidly, and then I want to say a longer, more complex thought, and bam, I hit a wall. What I want to express is difficult. I'm not skilled enough to just fly through it without thinking. As a disbeliever, the negative thoughts start to take over. I get flustered. I might just switch completely to English. I might even give up and abandon the thought altogether. But working from a place of self-belief, I approach this as a musician. I slow down and break it into smaller bits. And my tutor is really good at helping me work through in this way. We start with, okay, what's the verb I want? Then who or what is the subject? And how do I use the verb from that point of view in the desired tense? Then I think about additional verbs I need. I add in direct objects, adjectives, gender endings, adverbs, and so on. So slowly, piece by piece, I construct the phrase I want to say. Once I get the sentence structure with all its grammatical pieces, I repeat it. Maybe I write it down so I can repeat it again later. If I repeat it enough out loud, I start to develop muscle memory in the formation of my tongue and lips as I say the words. The same is true for parts of language on a broader scale. When I encounter difficult parts of a language, like subjunctive and relative clauses, the self-disbeliever in me stops. I ignore them. I put off facing them. I literally work harder to restructure sentences in such a way as to not even need to use these more difficult parts of the language, which almost always makes my sentences much longer and more wordy. But if I approached these difficult language topics as a self-believer, I would work them as a musician. I would take time to focus on them for days, weeks, even months. I would take it slow, working on one piece at a time, and slowly build upon my understanding and use of the new and difficult thing. Patience and diligence come out naturally when I face something difficult from a place of self-belief, and learning something difficult doesn't feel near as stressful. There's no pressure to understand or produce in a certain amount of time or to a near-perfect level, and the hard work really feels like progress because I focus on the incremental gains along the way instead of the long path ahead and what all is left to learn. Now that I can envision how I would respond as a self-believer when I encounter something really difficult, I need to consider how I would feel. And the first thing I think of here is overwhelm, because really difficult things can be overwhelming. But when I think of believing in myself and having the confidence that I can tackle hard things, the overwhelm wouldn't feel insurmountable. It would feel natural as part of the process for moving forward. And then the overwhelm would die down and my logical brain would start thinking about how to attack this difficult thing. I would feel cool, calm, and collected, as my mother would say, and perhaps even start to feel a bit of adrenaline at the prospect of taking on something difficult. I think we're often led to believe that we should do everything possible to avoid negative feelings or try to hide them and lie to ourselves about how we really feel. But as self-believers, I think we also become realistic believers. We get used to being okay with the reality of tough feelings because we know that forward movement requires accepting the truth of our situation and finding a realistic plan to match the realistic difficulty. So I would feel overwhelmed. I would still feel a bit of doubt, but then I would sit with those feelings, allowing them to pass naturally until I felt confident enough to create a realistic plan for tackling whatever difficult thing lay ahead. Moving on to the next question about self-belief. What would you think and how would you react differently if you received criticism or unwanted advice or rejection? This one is a bit harder for me. I think the idea of self-belief often comes with a stereotype of nonchalance or fake it till you make it mentality. But I think self-belief in the face of criticism and rejection is marked by honesty. If I tell myself, well, I really don't care what they think, I would be lying. I really do care because rejection hurts. Criticism hurts. They're embarrassing. They cause me to question everything I thought I was doing right from my routine and resources to how much progress I've made. If I believed in myself, encountering rejection, criticism, or unsolicited advice would start with honestly stating my thoughts and feelings, and then I could logically lay out the facts. So someone criticizes my language abilities, my accent, my level, a mistake I made, whatever it is. Instead of shrugging it off and telling myself, I don't care what someone else thinks, I would honestly tell myself, wow, that hurts. Or in the case of unsolicited advice, that's really obnoxious. I was feeling pretty confident and now I'm annoyed, giving mental energy to something I don't want to give to, and I'm unexpectedly unsure and stressed about something that didn't bother me before. Now that I've been honest with myself, I would have to decide what to do with those feelings. Maybe I would be able to tell the person their words hurt or find a tactful way to tell them that I'm not open to unsolicited advice, that it actually takes me off track. Maybe I would tell someone else. I have friends, family, and a tutor who I trust would listen with compassion and also not coddle me with false positivity. They'd give me space to hold my hurt or annoyed feelings and to let go when I'm ready which leads to the option of sitting with any difficult or unwelcome feelings and letting them pass naturally without wallowing in them or allowing myself to sulk in negativity. Just acknowledge my thoughts and feelings until they soothe over. And then, as a self-believer, I could be ready to face the criticism, rejection, or unsolicited advice in a logical way. I could lay out the critical feedback I received and ask myself a few questions that I'm now postured to answer honestly. I can ask, Is the criticism, rejection, advice something constructive? Is it something I can use to make improvements in my language abilities now? Is it something I'm aware I need to work on, but the timing isn't right? I don't want to be derailed from the learning path I've curated for myself, so I'll keep this feedback on the back burner where it needs to be for now. Was I criticized, rejected, given unsolicited advice in response to a minor mistake that I actually know how to correct? I have been laughed at before, literally laughed at, for misconjugating an irregular verb. And once I worked through the feelings of embarrassment and rejection, I was able to move on pretty quickly because I did, in fact, know how to conjugate the verb correctly. It was a minor speaking mistake that didn't actually prevent the other person from understanding me, and it didn't need a great deal of attention to correct for future use, so I chose not to dwell on it and not give it more time and attention. So for me... Responding to criticism, rejection, and unsolicited advice as a language learner who possesses self-belief, who lives on the positive end of the spectrum, I would acknowledge and allow whatever feelings come up in response. I would do something with those feelings, tell someone, or sit with them, or both, and once they pass, I would give a little time to deciding what to do with the feedback received, whether I use it to make improvements, sit it on the back burner, or ignore it completely, and then continue on my language journey. The next question Emily asks us about self-belief is, what would self-belief look like when you were doing something where you genuinely didn't know if it would ultimately work out or not? This question really gets me, because even though I'd already constructed this idea of the self-belief spectrum at this point, my initial reaction to this question was to flippantly say, well, I would just believe. But that's a fake it till you make it response, not true self-belief. And if I'm trying to live my life authentically as my real whole self, as I talked about in episode 32 about overcoming imposter syndrome, then fake it till you make it just doesn't cut it. So here's the thing. First, I have to accept the idea that self-belief and not knowing if something will work out can coexist. Self-belief isn't believing I will succeed at everything. It's believing that I can try. It's believing I can start down a path while not having any idea where the path leads or what obstacles might be in the way that force me to stop or turn back. So again, this goes back to stepping out of a binary succeed or fail mentality. Working from a place of self-belief and facing something that I have no idea will even work out or not, succeed and fail are again irrelevant. What does matter is what I can gain and what I can give to others through the experience. And facing something we don't know will work out or not is a great opportunity to assess what we can give and gain. I can identify any skills or insights I might acquire along the way to trying out this thing that may not work out. What skills or insights do I already have that would be used in a way to help or connect with others? I can consider what I might learn about myself or what relationships I can build along the way. Will I be proud of myself for knowing when to stop? for trusting my intuition and logic to know when to keep going and when the project is complete for me. So in this situation, when I truly don't know if it'll work out or not, self-belief is not just forcing myself to believe that it will work out. That type of thinking only leads to stress, overextending myself, guilt, shame, and possibly embarrassment. Real self-belief is the confidence to know I can try and knowing that the outcome doesn't define me, but that I can still gain or give something along the way. One thing that comes to mind for me when thinking about a time I faced something I genuinely didn't know would ultimately work out or not is in starting this podcast. I'd thought about starting a podcast for months. I'd asked other language learning podcasters for advice, and I took Kirsten Cable's Podcasting 101 course, but there were, and still are, so many unknowns. Will I have enough content to talk about? Will people find my story and thoughts interesting? Will they judge me or think I'm a fraud? Will I choose the right microphone, recording software, or podcast host? What will I do if I end up not liking my choices later down the road, but I've already committed? How many episodes or seasons will I have? Will I be able to sustain the show once I start working again, as the kids get older, as my languages evolve? At nearly two seasons complete, I still don't have the answers to most of these questions, and I don't have any idea if this project will ultimately work out. But here's the thing, what does it even mean for something like this to work out? What does it mean for a language to work out, or a language exchange partner, or a tutor, or a language course, or anything at all related to your language journey? Again, this idea of any of these things, working out or not, has the feel of succeed or fail. It first seems like there needs to be a definitive measure of success, or an in-state where we're forced to decide if the endeavor has met some standard of triumph. But just like when facing something completely new, having self-belief and facing something with an entirely unknown outcome, for me, just means having the confidence to know I can try and that by just getting started, just taking action toward doing the thing, I've already gained something of value, learned something useful, or created something joyful, no matter how big or small. Self belief is believing I can get started and do something, whether the project will ultimately work out or not. Now, the final question about self belief that Emily asks in episode 35 of the Language Confidence Project is this How can we bring more self belief into our language learning or our other ventures or our whole lives? Now that we know what self-belief looks like to us, and this won't be the same for everyone, but now that we've defined it for ourselves and we've taken ourselves through the experience of envisioning certain scenarios when self-belief can play a critical role, what can we do to tap into that and shape more positive experiences when facing challenges? I think I've already started answering this for myself in the other questions. For example, by viewing myself as a beginner to each new part of a language, I set myself up for continual self-belief. My expectations of myself are reasonable and I'm postured to see gains and growth over mistakes and disappointments. I can also bring more self-belief into my language learning and other parts of my life by allowing negative thoughts and feelings to pass by rather than hiding them. When I try to force down thoughts of not being good enough or not being capable or bottle up feelings of doubt and frustration, the negative thoughts and painful feelings actually linger much longer because they're only hiding, and they come back over and over again, fueling more self-disbelief. If, instead, I acknowledge those thoughts and feelings, call them out for what they are, and give myself space and support for letting them pass on without giving them too much of my time and energy, then they'll pass. They may come up again, but they're weaker each time. So every time I face something new or difficult, and every time things don't go quite right— I'm already starting from a more positive place on the self-belief spectrum, and I'm much less likely to self-sabotage. And the last thing that, for me, can foster more self-belief in my life is to continue surrounding myself with people who genuinely get me and distance myself from those who bring negative and toxic vibes into my life. I want more connections with people with whom I can truly be myself without fear of judgment, whether these people are family members, friends, coworkers, or you all, the amazing people I've met in the language learning community. We don't even have to have the same interests or personalities, but I want to be around people who are real and genuine. Because when I'm around genuine people, I feel more confident. Because I feel more normal. Seeing the perfectly curated lives people often display makes me think I'm not good enough. I'm doing something wrong. I'm alone in having struggles and being a hot mess or being the target of judgment or projection, which are often one and the same, make me doubt myself and wallow in negativity. But when I'm around people who are real and genuine, who openly make mistakes or vocalize their struggles and who let me make mistakes without judgment, my self-belief goes through the roof because I realize that we're all hot messes. We all struggle and we all make mistakes. And it's important to live that out in the open in order to believe in ourselves. I very strongly believe that. There is value and healing in sharing our struggles. And it feels like a huge burden off our shoulders when we stop trying to curate a picture-perfect world, even if in the tiniest ways. And I really think that this is an important key to bringing more self-belief into our lives and inspiring it in others. So thinking of myself as a beginner in each new aspect of something Acknowledging my negative or painful feelings when things aren't going well and then letting them pass and surrounding myself with genuine people who believe in healing and helping through transparency are three things I can do to bring more self-belief into my life. So this is a rather long episode for being a solo one and I hope you've been able to work through this exercise Emily presents in the language confidence project and envision scenarios of self-belief for your own life. If you haven't already, go check out Emily's work, which I will link in the show notes, of course. Let her know if these questions were helpful or encouraging for you. And I really hope you're able to take this and continue working toward a realistic life with languages and beyond that's full of genuine self-belief. Because even if I don't know you, I believe in you. I know you can do this thing. You are doing it. And you deserve to believe that for yourself. I wish you a wonderful and joyful week of language learning. And until next time, ciao.